Welcome to Running Poles. I'm Naren Angus. And I'm T. Statman. If Coach ever heard what we were actually thinking. Or drinking. We would definitely be running. Leave the bath in Stillwater. Carrie Everly just threw her first <laughs> career no-hitter. This is a hustle flight right here by Statman. And she gets in just under the tag. She drove that ball out deep to left center, and we've got a brand new ball game. Statman just not pulling the trigger on that. Looks like it could have been slightly low. And with two strikes, that's one you have to protect on. Welcome back to Running Polls, powered by Six Pack Coverage. We are here today with a very, very special guest. He is part of the Outkick 360 team, a youth softball coach and college softball fan. Chad Withrow is with us. That was a great intro. I love being described as youth softball coach first. That, that's, uh, that's, that's incredible. That's really what I want on my tombstone, right? It's going to be nothing that I do professionally. It's Chad Withrow pretty good youth softball coach. That's ultimately what I want to be remembered as. That should be it. Oh, Marin, you have words. I have a two-year-old. <laughs> I have a two-year-old trying to play with toys while we're recording this podcast. Chad, how is this? How do you do this? I, I have a two-year-old uh, that is currently in the air uh, headed to Nebraska uh, with my wife to go see uh, their grandparents in Nebraska. So the only reason that I do not have a two-year-old currently banging at the door or in my lap is because they are not here. So that's, that's how I'm doing it right now, Maren. That's how, that's how we're making this magic happen. Oh man. All right. So T, I know this is this, this whole connection. You're like, Whoa, where did it come from? Um, I credit Chad for giving me my start like in Nashville um he used to have this high school football show on friday nights that he would have me call into with football scores from either my high school or he would send me to another high school and i would walk in pretend like i own the place be like oh yeah um i'm reporting for uh i won't say the name of the radio station <laughs> How, how much money did you make on that, Maren? Uh, 0.00 dollars. Yeah, you're, you're giving me way too much credit. Uh, you know, I, 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 I could have paid you if you came along a little bit later when I actually ran a high school football site. You, would, you still wouldn't have made much more than 0.0, <laughs> but you could have made something. But look, you were a good reporter. You did a good job with your, your call-ins and reports from games. So I was looking for free help, you know, any, any way I could get it. The radio station I was at was not going to pay anyone to do that. So, you know, we had – and there's actually a pretty good list of alumni, you included, uh, that were reporters on that show that, you know, went on to do some, some really cool things. So uh, I'm thankful to you and everyone who decided to take no money uh, to drive to Dixon County High School to watch a football game and then call in a report three or four times while I was in studio until 11 p.m. So I thank you for that. There's, there's no thanks needed coming from you. Oh, oh my gosh. I love local sports TV because I also shout out to Joe Ferris. He's not on local TV anymore, but he's one of those guys that kind of took me under his wing. I, he like took me to the studio. I got to do random, um, package, but he let me make my own package, um, which was really cool. Shout out to local sports. If it still exists. <laughs> um, on, on TV at local, at the local TV level. Cause I know that a lot of local stations were really worried about 
that whole sports segment and having the sports team was no longer going to you know exist well lo local tv people see and i was in local radio so local tv people i feel like work a lot harder because they're usually carrying all of their equipment around everywhere they go and you know they're actually having to go and typically if it's like a high school football friday night you know they're going to get like 45 seconds of b-roll footage and then they're hopping back in a van and they're headed somewhere else it's always the envy of the local sports tv personality world when they have a camera person with them like the ones you see with their camera person, it's like that they've got it made. And the ones who are on air that are also there uh, with, you know, lugging around all this big equipment everywhere they go, that, that's, a, that's a different world. Marin knows we had it made in radio because all you had to have, you had your cell phone with you, you know, when you went. That's all you needed. And you went and you put notes in your cell phone or you jotted them down, you called in reports. Uh, which was far better. So for that reason, I'm now on video without kick 360. So I, I understand that world a lot more and I've done a lot of TV, um, but radio is the place to be or any podcast like we're on right now, because it's uh, let's face it. It's far less effort when it comes to, to things like that, not, not being on video and especially not producing, directing, filming yourself uh, on camera. That's it's much better this way. And local radio is the all <laughs> local radio was the place you can just found. Yes. <laughs> we were I was doing some ridiculous things. I made a parody song piss off. Like, okay, one of them was funny, and then the other one was this song that the other guy hated. So I read up rewrote all the words and I'd play it on the radio. I and forgot we get you worked for the radio station at school. Well, right? no, in real well, yes, that and then real radio <laughs> after. You're saying it's not real radio, what you did at school? This was like fake radio? Camp radio was real radio, and it went over the airways around the school. I think they played it in our school, like student union, maybe? I don't know. We had a lot of metalheads, so I really hope that wasn't playing all the time in the student we, union. <laughs> we, uh, you talked about a parody song. We had this game when we were on local Nashville radio. Uh, we called it the Lene Kakua Country Music Game uh, Song of the Week. And Lene Kakua, if you remember that name, it was the fake girlfriend of Manti Teo, the former Notre Dame player, who was getting trolled online. Remember they had the whole thing on, on ESPN about his girlfriend died? Yes. And they had a GoFundMe and all this. And then we find out later he never met her. It was actually a guy he knew back home posing as a girl online. And then he had to fake that girl's death. Um, so this all sounds very cruel, but I promise it's funny and it does have a good punchline. So we called it Lene Kakua being fake was this, the, you know, this person never died, never existed. So we had a Lene Kakua country, country song of the week. And, uh, this guy, Rhett Bryan that we worked with was very talented and we would write out actual country lyrics and then we would come together and make fake lyrics. And Paul Kuharski, our co-host who is from New Jersey, Ivy League educated, went to Columbia, hates all things Southern, hates all things country music, would have to guess which was fake of the songs. I mean, we're talking like, you know, this could be Friends in Low Places from Garth Brooks. We could read the chorus to that. He wouldn't know it. I mean, there were popular songs in there. Everyone's heard. He would not know it. And then Rhett would, in a fake country accent, go record the actual fake song that we play for everyone at the end of it i'd say his hit rate was probably 25 30 percent of getting it right but uh it was it was tons of fun so that was you know us basically playing campus radio on you know an actual an actual real radio station 
And how were the ratings for that? Great. I mean, it was uh, to this day, <laughs> people will still, you know, years later, it's like, can you bring back the Lene Kakua country song of the week? Speaking of high school football, it started. We kind of had spinoff series. This We had the Lene Kakua high school game of the week. And I would come up with two games that were real and one completely made up fake high schools, fake description of the quarterback, of the mascots, everything, and give like a little paragraph synopsis of each game, two of them real, one of them fake. And Paul would play that game also. So look, I'm, I'm, I, I hate just throwing this out there to everyone, but you know, I'm giving you guys some really good material for future podcasts. Oh you can play this game with each other. Oh my goodness. I mean, you did, you did inspire. I will say you did inspire some of the things, one thing and uh, specifically on our show. Um, so my favorite segment is primary complaint. And so we turned it into uh, the kvetching corner. I thought it was original. That's good. We were it's, way, it's way more original than primary complaint. That, that's for so, sure. So I was like, you know what? That's good. People like calling in and complaining about things. So, and because we have a slight Jewish take on everything. Uh, yeah, it's the kvetching corner. And, and my grandmother, my typical Jewish grandmother intros it. And, uh, and, and yeah. I mean, it's kind of original. Kvetching is this corner. like is this like a, your coffee talk segment? You guys are probably too young to remember that segment on uh, SNL with Mike Myers, where he'd have coffee talk, and uh, it was it was very similar to that. What I love about primary complaint, by the way, I've got it right here on my phone. Uh, I can show you guys, but I have a notepad where I just keep primary complaints. So anytime I see something that really annoys me or bothers me, I'll just break out my phone and write it down for a future primary complaint. And it's always something that happens too often. Like right. I see it take place and I'm like, okay, this is, this is one of them. You know, one of them, I, I was at the airport this morning dropping my family off and the people who take way too long with their goodbyes, like when it's a crowded, yeah. you know, everyone's trying to get through the, I'm like, you've got to say your goodbye in the car, in the approach, right? <laughs> like, let's get the goodbyes out of the way there. If you, if you got to get out, help someone with luggage quickly, get it out, quick hug, get back in the car and go. We don't need an emotional goodbye with you park blocking two lanes mm -hmm. while this is happening so th that's and just the like making out <laughs> exactly yes the pda that happens also is just ridiculous so that's an example of something i would jot down in this handy little you know iphone <laughs> 7 or whatever i have right here that's way too old what clay isn't buying you a brand new iphone no clay clay buys nothing that's not for himself uh, that that's that's how clay <laughs> operates clay's got two beach houses now so he loves to tell everyone about his two his two separate beach houses. Does he invite you? No. Uh, funny enough, uh, one time I uh, was thinking about renting his house for the week. Uh, my wife and I were going to the beach. So I was like, hey, you know, would love to stay in your place when you're not down there. You know, what would you charge to do it? And I got back a quote that was just astronomically high. Like there was no hometown discount. Like I was half expecting like you'll get half off or you can stay there a couple days for free or what. No, no, no. This was like a lot of money per night to go. I was like, you know, I'll pass. I think I can go on Airbnb and find something a little bit better. You know, not better. His place is great, but more affordable. So I went that route instead. Because Outkick is, I guess, an online. It's an out. It's on the line. Have you actually met Clay? Oh, yeah. So Clay and I, um, Clay's start in radio came with me. 
So I hosted the first ever show he hosted in 2007. I met Clay at the 2007 SEC championship game between Tennessee and LSU. And I read his column at CBS. It was CBS sports line at the time. He had a weekly column that was really funny. And uh, I got his sense of humor and he wrote all about college football. And this was when he was working on Dixieland delight, which was his tour of all SEC football stadiums. So we met, he's a big Tennessee fan. We hit it off in Atlanta and I told him he should come back and, and work at 104.5 The Zone in Nashville and host a sh- show. So I got it cleared with the powers that be there. And we had a show called Clay Nation uh, that I hosted and basically threw things to him. And he gave his opinion on things. And I served more of, as the pilot of the show. And we were on from 7 to 9 p.m. on Tuesday nights in Nashville. And then Clay eventually moved on to 3HL. And 3HL became his national sports talk radio show, which eventually led to, you know, Clay took over for Rush Limbaugh, uh, which is the biggest show in America separate of Howard Stern, which isn't really a radio show. It's on satellite. So yeah, Clay's, Clay's done very well, but I go way back um, with Clay. So yes, I've met him. And I, in fact, we talked on the phone for about 30 minutes last night uh, about Outkick, but no, Outkick as a website is, I mean, it's, it's doing great. You know, Fox purchased it. And to kind of be the bridge between Fox Sports and Fox News from a pop culture sports standpoint, um, there's not a lot of places doing that. There's a lot of places doing conservative politics and a lot of places doing not so conservative politics. There's very few places sort of bridging what I would call, you know, what most sports fans want. And that is not to be hit over the head with politics. And that's kind of what our show is, right? You know, we, our show is based on we're talking to most of America that likes sports when we're talking. And that's not to say that, you know, there's not a huge market for politics. There is, obviously, because Fox News owns us. But our show is very much every day we go in thinking, you know, we're, we're going to talk sports, the sports fan that just wants to hear mostly about sports and have fun. If there's a big political story that intertwines with sports, we'll talk about it and be honest with our opinions on it. But for the most part, you know, we're sports, sports, sports. I met Clay a few years ago. I think he was doing, he did um, the Predators when they host their like media panel and they have all the college students come out and you can listen to them talk and ask them questions and whatnot. And this was before, I don't think he had launched outkick yet but i went in there and i was like man i'm really thinking about starting a softball website and i just don't know if i could if i should do it how do i how do i go about doing this and i talked to him about it he's like just do it and i was like okay and i kind of took the page i don't know dixieland delight in a way like i just went i i went everywhere i tailgated everywhere i stayed on friends couches i did what I needed to do to make it work. And, um, and that led, that's led to this. Well, it's, it's, and and Clay's very uh, consistent with that approach. And I think your approach was a smart one of just doing it. It's amazing because even, you know, I came out of college in 2004 and in 2004, like you had to still get hired by someone then, right. You could be an entrepreneur, but like you had to go to the local TV station that we were just talking about, or, catch on with the local newspaper and be a beat writer and go write stories about games or whatever it was. Someone had to identify you and hire you at that point to make it in, in sports media. 
Uh, that's just not the case anymore. I mean, it's great if you get hired on immediately by someone, but you guys are doing it right now, and you've got an affiliation with Albert Hainsworth's company. You can go do whatever you want. It doesn't mean it's going to be successful. doesn't mean you're going to make money doing it, but, I mean, you, can, you have the wherewithal, and there's the resources out there for anyone to do anything they want on the Internet now that really, you know, the Internet was around, but it was not the same. Uh, when I was coming out of college in 2004, Clay's big thing is, and he talks about this a lot, but, you know, he has a hard time finding people who work as hard as him. So when the standard is yourself, you know, like his, his, his mindset is if I don't take days off and I've made this much money and I sold my company for this much money, then I don't want to hire a writer who's going to want all these days off. Right. But humans don't really respond that way most of the time you know they they want to have some downtime so when your work ethic is that and clay works extremely hard um you know you're you want that out of everyone else so when people aren't meeting that expectation i think it naturally disappoints you mm-hmm. and i completely understand that with clay and I, i'm wired differently than than most also and i just have to remind myself you know not everyone is it, not everyone thinks like you think so be easy on people at times as well The word on the street, I guess, is is that, you know, USC, UCLA, they're leaving the Pac-12, which is a very interesting conference, and going to the Big Ten, which there are 14 teams in the Big Ten. I hate the, the names Big Ten and Big 12. I have a whole gripe with that. That's huge news. Yes. No, it's it's enormous. And look, um, it... it Here's, here's why it's big. It comes in response to the SEC adding Texas and Oklahoma. So those are two really big brands in an enormous television market, second biggest in the country in, in L.A., with USC and UCLA now going to the Big Ten. And it further demonstrates that the Big Ten and, and the SEC are just going to take over college football. I look at this solely as a college football move, even though there are big-time ramifications in, in your sport, college softball, there's ramifications in – men's college basketball, baseball, everything that they're going to have, you know, that that's, what's great. What's funny discussing this is, man, I'm really excited about USC and Ohio state playing a conference game now in football, but what does that mean for UCLA traveling to Rutgers in basketball or the volleyball game that's going to happen between, you know, USC and Minnesota, you know, the big 10's response to it is, oh, well, we saw during the pandemic that everybody can do their classwork on Zoom or attend classes that way. So if our winter sports have to leave for a week to go on an East Coast trip or go to the Midwest, they can just keep up with their classes online, which I guess is true. But look, it's a, it's a polite way of saying, we're not really in this for the student athlete. It, this is about money. I mean, all of this is driven by money, by television dollars, by college football. Um, USC and UCLA really make no geographic sense for the Big Ten, but it makes a lot of financial sense for the Big Ten. And based on the report out of UCLA that they were hemorrhaging money and about to cut a bunch of sports, uh, this was a savior for them and the money they're going to get from the Big Ten. So, look, I, I don't love it. I, I, my opinion is none of this is about the sport or about the schools. It's about football. It's about TV networks, and it's about money. But I've also come to full acceptance that this is what's going to happen, and it's not going to stop with USC and UCLA. Yeah, with these super conferences, just as an ex-student athlete, clearly they don't give a sh-
about the athletes, because usually when we travel that crazy extensive is during postseason going across the country and it sucks. It's horrible. And what about those kids who have labs? What about those kids who, who don't like, you're basically telling them you're reducing them to probably certain majors, which they already do. That's (laughs) there's just certain classes that those teachers might not work with you and you're going to have to drop and all oh, this is. <laughs> and and it, it's also scary to me because it's, it's one step away from just cutting the sport. I mean, UCLA was openly talking about in that report, you know, we're going to have to cut like half of our sports and it's a big Olympic sports school. Um, that's nuts to me. And, and I, I prefer this like bad travel and all of that to cutting softball or cutting other, you know, women's sports or men's sports at a school, because now all of a sudden our travel budget is so high, we can't justify it anymore, even though we're making a lot more because of our football team in this conference, we can't justify it anymore. And we want to make more money for football because football is driving the financial boat with the athletic department. So um, I'm with you. I mean, I I was watching Big Ten Network and kind of laughing the night all this was going down because they had someone on who was talking about, you know, at the, in the Big Ten, we have always looked out for the student athlete first. And we did all these studies about how we can get away with this. And we know that the travel is not going to be as bad as people. And I'm thinking, come on, like, don't even play this game right now. This is simply about football and about money and nothing else. I'm looking up the flight from Los Angeles to like. It's four hours. It's a four hour flight plus a two hour time difference change. Well, and you're, you're going to have to, I mean, they're going to have to package these. When you go to the Eastern, if you go from L.A., and let's, you know, they're also talking about Washington, Oregon being an option to either go Big 12 or, mm-hmm. or Big 10. But you're going to have to do this like a, a West Coast road trip in Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. You know, a team out East would go, and they're going to play the Giants, the Dodgers, the Padres on a trip a lot of times. You're going to need to do the same with, with winter sports or teams that are going out East, you know, you're going to have to knock out Rutgers and Maryland on the same trip and stay somewhere for a week. So not only is it a long flight, but to justify the long flight, you're going to, have to be somewhere for a week, week and a half minimum and just stay there and do school in a hotel room while you're doing it. So all those added nights in a hotel, um, you know, travel in between the schools. Once you make the long flight to the East coast, these are all considerations that I know have been made but I don't think they've been well thought through because of the money grab, because honestly of the fear that the big 10 had once the sec added uh, Oklahoma and Texas, that they were just going to take over. So they had to do something in response. And I think that fear is going to drive more decisions like this that really don't make any sense for the student athlete. I feel like at least from the softball standpoint, the only way this would even make relative sense is if you don't go to the Clearwater Invitational, you don't go to the Pont, the Mary Nutter, and you just do a week-long tournament just multiple times, one over spring break, and play the teams in your conference because it, it's not sustainable to do to do a week-long trip that's not during spring break or during during breaks just to make that tour unless they you play a bunch of double headers on over a three day period or something like that. Or, or hubs, you know, you you have four teams flying to one campus and play for four or five days. And it's a round Robin type situation where you're basically right. knocking out two series 
in a condensed amount of time and playing double headers. Uh, from a travel perspective, I could see that happening where you know, you're at 16 teams now once USC and, and uh, UCLA join. So you have four hub cities somewhere in the middle of America where teams, you know, Penn State's going to come over and uh, Maryland and Rutgers, and then you're going to meet in the middle with USC and UCLA and all those teams in the middle of the country in the central time zone. Then you have four different campuses that host four teams apiece, and you knock out two series at a time. You know, maybe that's an option for it, but, I mean, come on. Like, you played major college softball. That's not a college sports experience. That's an AAU experience. You know, that's what I would do growing up playing AAU basketball. You'd go to one place and play 18 teams over a weekend, but it, it's no atmosphere to that. You know, it's very rec league, I think, of, uh, of college sports to go in that direction, but we might be headed there. Marin, is in the Big Ten, you, you'll probably know better than me. Yeah. You, if you, when USC and UCLA join, would USC still be the only school without a softball team in the Big Ten, or is there other schools that – also don't I think with the big 10 it is it would be solely USC which leads me to my thought would be would would that put more pressure on a school like USC to start a softball program um I don't know like because you're taking UCLA who is by far the most historically great team out of the pack and putting them into a conference that does not have the same type of track record as UCLA. So now you're, you're walking in and they're, they're looking at playing Michigan for a conference championship, but Michigan's only got one national title to its name. Whereas UCLA is, I mean, they're the most decorated program in college softball. So, but it also like T I know how you understood it playing the Pac-12's visibility for softball is is basically nothing, and I think a lot of people found that out this year with the with the tournament with with Stanford and Oregon State um, making it to Oklahoma City because nobody got to watch them during the regular season. They weren't on ESPN. They weren't on Fox. They weren't. I mean, the Pac-12 network. You have to. Good luck buying it in your in your cable package. And then if you want to watch it online, no offense to Arizona, but they set up a, a camera in the press box that you have to watch through a, you have to watch it through the netting. It's a camera like my iPhone. It's probably better than my iPhone. It's, it's not, it's not high tech. You're saying there's not multiple cameras. There's not different angles. It's not a broadcast. It's just a, a, a camera set up stationary to do yeah. it. Here's, here's a question I would have. Um, and this is a, a way more from your perspective than mine, because I spend the majority of my time on the show talking football. So we're always talking, you know, ramifications of college football, NFL, everything else. But why does that, why does every sport have to go to the big 10? I mean, Notre Dame is in the ACC in every sport, but football. So why can't just the football programs or the men's basketball program, if you want to combine those two, the big money makers on campus, Go to the Big Ten. You know, same for Oklahoma and Texas. They can go to the SEC in, in football. Uh, they can go in men's basketball. But if they want to stay in the other sports in the Big 12, then by all means do it. I understand there are television contract problems with that, and that's really the, the issue. But, I mean, wouldn't it make a lot more sense 
if the Pac-12 stayed together and USC and UCLA stayed in the Pac-12 with those regional rivalries in every other sport but football, that this is all a football decision. So, I mean, just, just something to keep in mind. It's not going to happen, but it's certainly a thought I had about preserving every other sport and making sure that all these sports stay on campus and that we continue to fund and support these sports. I it just, uh, I'm just looking at the map and it makes me so sad. Marin, do you think, I think you were alluding to like, will USC start be forced to start a softball team because of the regional closeness to UCLA? And if, if everyone moves to the big 10, because it would make sense for just football to go to the big 10, because that's where the money is and all the other sports, you know, it's kind of harder to constantly be going to the East coast weekend after weekend after weekend. Will that force USC to create a softball team in order to just have some sort of regional closeness and be able to just play a game that's not on the East Coast for two weekends out of the out of the season? I mean, USC is an urban campus in the middle of Los Angeles. Like it's kind of similar to the Vanderbilt situation where you have a school with a a good baseball program and no softball program and nowhere to put a softball program. So I would, I would think it would force their hand. I would like to think it would, but I doubt it. Cause then you got title nine and then somebody's going to be like, Oh, well, if you're going to add softball, you got to add this. And, and the whole point of them moving is to help save, make money to save money. Like well, you got to drop something too, yeah, right? Yeah. To add softball, you're dropping another women's sport probably to keep it even. Uh, I would think so. There would be at the detriment to another sport on campus. Yeah. Um, I just, I, as much as we would like to see it and they would be successful because they're in Southern California. I mean, <laughs> that's where the hotbed is. So I don't know what the answer is, but, um, I just think, I think when that move was announced, my guess is that the majority of the big 10 for softball, they went, Oh, shit. They can't compete with UCLA in recruiting. They just can't. Like, so that's my, that's my thought. Um, you know, you look at teams like Penn State, Maryland, Rutgers that have, that did decent last year for the first time in who knows how long. Now they're thinking, oh, we're, we're on a trajectory up. And then it's like, well, uh-oh, what do we do now? Well, maybe it can just be the UCLA Invitational and they bring all the Big Ten teams there to L.A. And it's a nice maybe. vacation for everyone. And they just, you know, get their asses whipped uh, for maybe. a solid week straight, every team. And then they go back home. And it's like, hey, you know, I'm glad I came to Michigan State to play softball so I could go to L.A. a couple <laughs> weeks out of the year and get killed uh, right? by UCLA and just go ahead and announce that, you know, that this is our representative in the, uh, in the Women's College World Series every year. Maybe that'll be the option. I mean, that's, that's the other, that's the other take is that UCLA now will represent an, another conference in the women's college world series that doesn't have the his, the same type of history. Right. Which really sucks for those teams. And usually the winner of that tournament, they get the automatic berth. You know, the RPI isn't so good um, of those other teams. And I mean, a lot of these teams I see competing in the, in the world series, like get, at least getting the opportunity to compete in that pool of 64. But I'm just thinking, oh, how much would it suck if they were in a conference, if it was a conference where 
basically the winner of the conference tournament goes to the world series and then UCLA joins and you're like, well, right. I mean, you know, you played in the pack. They don't have a conference tournament. They do now starting next year, but it's, what is the, not like, what is the purpose, but what is the, I mean, it's fun, I guess, but I guess because we don't have a conference tournament and didn't really, it doesn't really mean anything to me that because it's not like most of those teams aren't going to go get a berth to to the women's, to the world series. Yeah. And just like we're looking at the big 10 who Michigan uh, and Northwestern got the higher seeds out of the big 10 and then, but Nebraska won the regular season. Nebraska didn't make it out of a regional. They were not a one seed. I kind of like the conferences that held out as long as they could without a conference tournament. I think that's a very throwback of them. Like the Ivy League in men's basketball, I think just a year or two ago, started having a tournament, and they just had a regular season champion. I I believe the regular season champion is a more true champion in terms of getting the best team over a longer period of time over many more games and determining that. So when it's – a you know, from a men's basketball perspective, you have all these one-bid leagues that get into the tournament or women's basketball. And I'm always a little bit hurt when it's a team that wasn't very good throughout the season that upsets someone in the tournament because, to me, that's not the true champion. You know, that's this happens in sports. I get it. I'm not shedding a tear over it. But I'm also thinking, man, that sucks for that conference because this team was really good and maybe could have put a scare or beaten someone big time in the tournament, and now they're out. And now this team that got hot at the end of the year is going to go and probably get killed by someone. So I kind of like that the you know Pac-12 didn't have uh, a tournament in softball or, or hasn't had one until next year. And I like that with the Ivy League too, but it, that appears to be going away with everyone. Yeah. yeah. So with us talking about like all of this movement, I mean, now we look at there's there's teams entering the Big 12, that made the tournament uh, UCF was the 16 seed re- uh, regional host in softball for the first time ever. Um, and they're going to move into the big 12. Like they didn't even stand a chance against Oklahoma in the supers. So I don't know. It affects everyone differently. I know it's mainly a football basketball move, but the the trickle down effect that it has on these other sports is has massive implications like it it changes the landscape completely looking at the map so now they're considering arizona asu utah colorado to go to the big 12 which like makes a little bit more sense minus the florida schools than going to the big 10 it makes a little bit more sense because you have BYU, like Texas schools, like flights to Texas really, like, I don't think are that long. Um, that makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. Well, the, the honestly, the only conference, you know, the, the SEC's driven all this by adding Texas and Oklahoma, but the only conference out there that still makes at least some geographic sense is the SEC. It's the only one that every SEC state touches another SEC state. There's no separations in, in state. If you look at that map, now it, it spans a, a big distance from Missouri to Florida, but they're all there lumped in together. And even if the reports are true, they're talking to Clemson and North Carolina and Virginia and Florida State about adding them to the conference. You still keep that with North Carolina, Virginia, 
uh, where every state is going to touch another SEC state. So from that perspective, you know, the SEC makes a lot of sense. But, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys on the, the Big Ten and Big 12 and everything else. You know, think about West Virginia in the Big 12, kind of a forgotten school and how far away that is from everything else in that conference. So there's a lot of places that make no sense. Yeah, and for us, like West Virginia, no softball. We don't. <laughs> oh, we don't care. Don't even, we don't we even don't acknowledge care. them. We, we, we don't we even don't, acknowledge the Mountaineers. We forget. Whatsoever. We forget I, West Virginia is a thing. I'm <laughs> sorry that I mentioned West Virginia. I want to apologize to all your yeah, listeners for even mentioning the state of West Virginia on this show. <laughs> I forgot that contractually we could not mention the the Mountaineers in any way. So we've been talking about all this alignment, but and all of these schools. But Chad, what 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 is it about this sport that has just roped you in? Well, it's uh, coaching my daughter's team, you know, is, is certainly part of it. And we're just still at the coach pitch. Uh, I coached her five and six year old team, coached her for two years now. She's moving up to another coach pitch league, but pretty soon it'll be player pitch also. And I am the coach pitcher, which is a very important responsibility. Have you been? Uh, which, as you guys know, <laughs> well, you know, it's also, I'm basically trying to hit bats. Like I'm throwing to where some of the younger girls are swinging. Like if they're swinging one spot, I'm speeding it up or slowing it down and going higher or lower based on where they're swinging every time after I throw it. So um, that part of it's been fun. My daughter loves it. Uh, Whenever there's a game on TV, I'll make sure to turn it there and say, Hey, you know, look, Evie softball's on so you can watch. And she badly wants to pitch and she tries to pitch in the backyard. And just from what she sees and I tell her, I'm like, don't even start that only because I can't tell you what to do because I do not understand. It's one of those things in sports I watch and I don't understand the physics of it. I can't even get myself in that motion to do it. So she's going to have to have someone who knows what they're doing, train her in pitching. But, you know, that's part of it. But also it is a quick, snappy game. And when you think about baseball, uh, that's my gripe with college baseball all the time. It's too long. You know, I think the sport has improved. But, man, oh, man, you've got these games where you can't get anyone out and the control is an issue. And I'm watching, I'm thinking, this is not a good television product. And whenever I watch the women's tournament, women's college World Series, it's one of the rare sports that I can sit down and see half an inning and end up watching four or five innings of the entire game because Mm -hmm. it's going so fast. I get into the action and what's happening. I, I just think it's a really good television product. And I think it's illustrated by the fact that, you know, there's more viewers for it. Uh, it's very close, but then the men's game, and you can't say that about very many women's sports uh, to men's sports. You know, the women's tennis at times when the right stars are playing can be more compelling and, and get, you know, similar viewers and ratings as, as men's tennis. Certainly gymnastics dominates uh, the Olympics every four years. and It's women's gymnastics that dominates the men's in that regard, but there's not a lot of sports that you can say that about. And women's college softball is one of them. Another thing I love about it is when I'm watching women's college softball, this probably isn't true, but I feel like I'm watching the top league there is, right? Like I don't care about women's professional softball. So same goes for women's college basketball. I don't care about the WNBA, but when I'm watching women's college basketball in the tournament, this is the biggest thing going, right? This is, this is it. Like I, it's the pinnacle of the sport and it's very very american uh which i like about it you know i'm not worrying about international influence or an international tournaments going on or 
people going to play in leagues overseas. So I think you combine all those elements, and I, I just really respect the game for that reason, for those reasons. You know, that's the most consistent comment that I've heard from people is that they'll just turn it on and it'll just stay on. And they've before they know it, they've watched two, three, four games during the World Series. An interesting comment is like, a lot of people don't care about women's professional softball. Like what? It's the same product, basically. It's essentially the same product. It's the same game. So what makes people care less about our pro softball? Our, we have AU Pro now that's being broadcasted on ESPN, ESPN2, mm-hmm. ESPN News. So what's the difference between that product and then watching the college, the college team? I think the college aspect of it always uh, amplifies it because we know those schools, right? So uh, if Oklahoma is dominant in softball, well, everyone knows the Oklahoma Sooners. They know that logo. They know the colors of the team. So I think the recognition of the schools in college and the states and the geography and everything plays into it is a big factor. I think coverage is a big factor. Um, ESPN airs a lot more college softball. I mean, you said they, they air the women's pro league also, they air a lot more college softball games and they air it in a time of year where you expect to see it. So when March gets here, what are we doing? We're watching the men's basketball That's tournament. Cool. Well, when yeah. springtime gets here, you know, exactly when that women's tournament and women's college world series is on because every sports bar you go into is going to have, you know, seven different ESPNs on. And they're going to have different games on, even when you're walking around. So you can't avoid it. Uh, you know, wherever you go, it's there, and it kind of connects you to that time of year. So I think those factors are why the women's game is bigger. And, I mean, I'm no expert in the pro game, but I watched the atmosphere in Oklahoma City for the Women's College World Series. I don't think they're reaching that with the pro game, that, that level of atmosphere which is a big part of it. That's what drew me into college football over the NFL originally and still does. I mean, I'm a big NFL fan, but I like college football better because the atmosphere is better because it's unique from school to school. It's just so different everywhere you go across the country. And I think the NFL is so homogenized and similar everywhere that it takes away the enjoyment of being on, you know, being at a game, being on campus that you get with college football. I think the same goes for, for women's college softball versus professional. Yeah. Uh, the way that I would, the way that I would describe it too, is that there's just the fan base. They're there to see their team. They have a loyalty to their school and their team, sometimes regardless of the sport, it's just the school. Yeah. I remember when like Monica Abbott, you know, was dominating at Tennessee and uh, I, I didn't, I didn't watch, softball when I was a student at Tennessee I don't even know if they were any good but when they had that run for a couple years with Monica Abbott I was watching it you know I was watching every tournament game I was I was making sure I was on the couch watching the start of women's college world series games with Tennessee involved in it and that that's that that's the connection you're talking about Marin that you know if it's your school you're going to support it when your team is good in it and I, I think that definitely holds true for softball and that there are diehards of every team also. Um, but yes, I think everyone that's an alum, everyone with an affiliation with that state, they can find something to get behind when their team is, is doing well. Yeah. It, a couple years after Monica Abbott would have been, I'm thinking late two thousands. Uh, yeah. Like 2010, 2011, 
I was an intern at WNSR and I remember being in there and changing every channel to college softball and the guys were like what are you doing I'm like you just need to watch this yeah. you need to watch it and Tennessee was playing so I thought it was a good good tie-in and that led to at the time a pro team was playing at Lipscomb and I was able to like get the guys out there and try to hit off of a pitcher yeah and they freaked out because Jenny Finch happened to be playing for, for one of the teams. And they were like, Oh, are we facing Jenny Finch? Like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to throw you to the wolves like that, but (laughs) you can at least start, you can start somewhere. But I bet they looked equally as bad facing whatever pitcher they faced as they would have Jenny Finch. So, you know, swinging and missing at three straight pitches looks the same uh, versus anyone. And I'm sure that's what happened with them. hundred percent. So no, I think it's great that, that you're into it, that your daughter's into it, that we're sitting here talking about it. Uh, it's, it's, if it isn't the third highest revenue generating sport right now on college sports, it will be any day now and behind football and men's basketball. Well, and I hope that, you know, kind of the the last thoughts on, on this part of it is I hope that with all the conference realignment that, it doesn't sacrifice. I hope it helps. I hope the money that's pumped in to mm-hmm. football helps women's college softball and helps other sports on campuses and doesn't lead to just a different level of greed where you see a separation from the universities with football where they can say, well, Title IX doesn't apply anymore because this isn't an NCAA sport that we're playing. Um, I hope that day doesn't come. And I hope we get to continue having conversations like this, you know, about women's college softball and that yeah. programs aren't cut because of all this. We're not there yet, but that's my, that's my fervent hope is that they're not cut and we're not talking about this one day. I'm hoping for a day when Paul Kaharski starts talking about women's college softball. Paul, if Paul had a daughter and not a son, he's got Simon who plays baseball, uh, he would and, – and Paul likes it. Like when it's on, he's like, it's, it's fun to watch. He came in one day talking about a game that he was watching. I think he was watching Oklahoma and Texas and was talking about watching the game. So he, he, is, a, he is a fan uh, of the sport. When it's on, he agrees with me that it's a great TV product when the games are being played. But if he, if, it, if he had a daughter and not a son that was currently playing softball, he'd be way more into it like me. Well, that's awesome. Uh, thank you so much for joining us this morning. On- Absolutely. No, it's a, this is this has been fun. Thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, it's it's been it's a weird like full circle moment. Yeah, <laughs> this has been fun. And now uh, you know I don't have to send you out to um, uh, uh, Henry County High School to you know report on a game for no money, not even right? gas money to do it. So this is this I'm gonna is need gas money if you sent me out to Henry County. And gas money is a lot more now, so that's not that's no good for me. <laughs> Hey, thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Hey, real quick, can you let our listeners know where they can follow you on uh, social media? Yep. It's uh, on Twitter at the Chad Withrow, W-I-T-H-R-O-W. You can follow us at Outkick360, Outkick across all channels. Uh, we are on eight radio stations now in seven states, including Nashville. Uh, back on Nashville Radio 94.9, The Fan, a new station. 
Um, so uh, everything's going well. You can you can listen to us. You can watch us. We have a YouTube channel. Uh, anywhere you consume media, basically, you can you can find Outkick 360 and all the work we're doing there and Outkick.com. So thank you for that. Awesome. Thanks.